It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, we take a look at Arkansas guard Nick Smith Jr., is he the offensive solution to the Raptors' half-court woes, or is his downside a little too much to gamble on at 13? We'll get into all that on today's episode of the show. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? And welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, June the 8th. We are two weeks from the NBA Draft, baby, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show on Instagram at LockedOnRaptors. And, of course, you can join the growing Locked On Raptors Discord server. It's super fun, very friendly, lots of great stuff in there. You're talking about the playoffs, talking about the Raptors offseason, talking about Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, all of it. It's in there. Come hang out. Super fun. A great little community we got building around the show. Link is in the description, whether you're listening on audio or watching on video. Speaking of which, you can subscribe to the podcast on your audio app of choice. Leave a rating, leave a review, all that good stuff. And we are also on YouTube. You can hit the big red subscribe button on the Lockdown Raptors YouTube channel to support the show. And I will be forever indebted to you. Thank you. We are also indebted 
in today to our pals at Bird Dogs. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA, and when you enter the promo code LockedOnNBA, they will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. All right. Let's get to it. On today's show, we continue on with our pre-draft profiles. The seventh guy we've talked about in this growing list as my personal big board continues to be compiled. And uh, we're talking about an interesting one today. Our second straight day talking about an Arkansas Razorback. It is... Nick Smith Jr., the 6'5 combo guard out of Arkansas, the freshman who only played 17 games as a freshman due to injury. Bit of a tricky guy to sort through. Didn't really play in college the way he was projected to play in college. The injury hampered him. We'll get into the good stuff, the bad stuff of his game, where he fits in on my personal big board, and why I think his downside is a little too low for me to be all that in on the Raptors taking him at 13. That said... Lots of good stuff here with Nick Smith Jr. as well, and stuff that the Raptors badly need, namely buckets. He is a buckets man, and the Raptors have been sorely lacking buckets-men for quite some time. Uh, Let's begin with the tail of the tape, shall we? Let's get in, uh, sort of give you the rundown. Nick Smith Jr., 6'5", combo guard again, was teammates with Anthony Black, who everydayers will know we talked about on yesterday's show. Go listen to that if you haven't yet. Um, Listen to this first, then go listen to the Anthony Black show. Whatever. Uh, Either way, his 2022-23 stats with Arkansas, not exactly popping off the page. 12.5 points, 1.6 boards, 1.7 assists, less than a steal, 0.8, 0.1 blocks, just nothing to speak of in the shop blocking department, uh, 39.7% on twos, 33.8% on threes, 74% from the line, and a 47.2 true shooting percentage. Yes, Nick Smith Jr. is in the sub-Malachi Flynn zone for his college true shooting percentage in 17 games. So uh, not exactly what you want to see popping off the page stats-wise, but Nick Smith Jr. is a tricky guy to evaluate on his numbers alone. Again, he played just 17 games at Arkansas, a team that by all counts was kind of a mess spacing-wise. We talked about Anthony Black yesterday. He can't shoot, uh, so he wasn't helping the spacing very much. And there was not a lot in terms of like a good team construct, despite that Arkansas team having two potential lottery picks on their roster. They were just not really ever able to kind of hit like a high ceiling or or get sort of moving as a machine of a basketball team because of the spacing issues. Um, And let's just kind of go into Raphael Barlow, our pal over at Locked at NBA Big Board, who I've been leaning on a lot for this pre-draft stuff. Again, I'm not a scout. I take what the scouts say, process it into my own little brain hopper, and then figure out what I think based on what they say. Uh, Raphael Barlow wrote in his piece, by the way, Raphael Barlow has Nick Smith going to the Raptors in his most recent mock from Lottery Night on NBA Big Board. Uh, Interesting to say the least, and here is the breakdown from Raphael Barlow. Quote, to be honest, Smith's draft stock would be in better shape if he had stayed out to rehab his knee instead of playing after being sidelined for nearly two months. While he showed glimpses of what made him a feared microwave scorer and a projected top five pick coming into college, Smith looked out of sync on offense and defense. To be fair, the Razorbacks' talent didn't fit together well, and Smith was their best floor spacer, knocking down 48% of his unguarded jumpers off the catch. That's... At least, I think, an encouraging spin on the not-very-good numbers by Nick Smith. Again, college teams are built not always the best, not always with, like, perfect cohesion and setting guys up to succeed in mind. 
especially freshmen who kind of come in for one year and then are gone. And so it's hard to fully take all the numbers at face value. You, know, you go back to his college days, and Nick Smith was like a high free throw guy. He was not really that in college. You go back to his college days, he was a really good three-point shooter. He was not really that in college. You go back to uh, you know, his college days of his floater or his playmaking. All of those seemed like skills that were a lot more refined than they were at Arkansas. And you could say, hey, like the, he was injured. Maybe it's also the fact that he was up against better competition. It's really tough to parse. And so... I think the numbers, I don't think you can ignore them. They're not very encouraging. You know, one assist to turnover ratio, one-to-one, like that's not wonderful. 39.7% on twos, it's not very good. He shot 31% on floaters, which is his kind of his bread and butter. We'll talk about that coming up when we get into his strengths. But, um, you know, this was not really a banner year for Nick Smith. Ultimately, for me, it kind of comes down, if you're a Nick Smith guy or not, or Nick Smith person, I don't need to gender it. Uh, if you're, if you know... If you want a pure point guard, Nick Smith Jr. is not the guy for you. If you want someone who's a walking bucket, then you might be a Nick Smith Jr. fan. I kind of just sound like Jeff Foxworthy there. If you want someone who's a walking bucket, you might be a Nick Smith Jr. fan. There you go. You can clip that all you want. Um, you know, he he's someone who can create his own shot. He's got a really good handle. He would probably walk into the team having the best handle on the roster, um, and that's not nothing. This is a team that has badly needed some wiggle in the half court, someone to create space, someone to get downhill, and I, I think the Raptors should do their due diligence on Nick Nurse, oh, sorry, Nick Nurse, on Nick Smith Jr. for that reason. Um, you know, he, he might be the guy who can come in and kind of grease the wheels of the half court offense. These are things they badly need. You know, I, I also think with the playmaking you figure to get from Scotty Barnes and also Jakob Pertl, Pascal Siakam if he's around, like there's playmaking at non-traditional spots on this roster, and so maybe you don't need a traditional set-the-table type point guard. Um, I still think that's a valuable person to have. I think especially if you're going to run a lot of pick-and-roll with Jakob Pertl, you want to have yourself a really refined point guard. And so, you know, you know where I stand on the whole Fred Van Vliet thing if you've listened to the show for long enough. But with Nick Smith Jr., like he's not going to do that stuff for you. He's going to be more of a complimentary scorer, whether he's creating for himself, bailing you out late in the clock, or as Kevin O'Connor notes, like there's a little bit of like skill as far as his work as an off-ball player as well. And maybe he's the type of player who could profile really nicely as a compliment to Scotty Barnes. Um, you know, hell, it might even be like the optimal construction of a Barnes-led team where you have a guard at, you know, one or two guards who are more sort of combo guard types who can score with or without the ball in their hands and play off of what Scotty Barnes does best. The problem is, is I think Nick Smith is just like a lesser version of this type of player among the players in this range of the draft. And we'll talk about Kobe Bufkin a lot today, I'm sure, because I feel like that's maybe like the closest comparison and I just think Kobe Bufkin's a more refined player and just does a lot of stuff better than Nick Smith does. And so if you get to 13 and there's a, a host of choices there for you at 13 between Keontae George, between uh, Nick Smith Jr., Kobe Bufkin, Kaysen Wallace, Anthony Black, I just don't think there's ever going to be a world in this draft class with the number of guys like on the forward end of things who are probably going to go in the top 10. Um, maybe even more than we thought if Bilal Kulabali is going to jump up, like it's been sort of th thrown out into the ether that he might. 
There's going to be too many guards at 13 for Nick Smith, I think, to be the best choice for the Raptors. That's kind of where I come in on this. But let's get into sort of the strengths and weaknesses of his game. Because I do think there's a lot to like here. And when you watch him, you can see the sort of outline of, oh, this could be a pretty dynamic shot-making type player for you. Uh, So it's not all bad when it comes to Nick Smith. There are some pretty glaring red flags still. So we'll get into all that coming up in just one second. Before we dive in there, however... Must tell you about our good friends over at eBay Motors. Uh, Look, when you're building a championship team, it is all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Look at the Denver Nuggets. That whole team fits together beautifully. It's wonderful. It's totally exactly what's being said here. It's the same thing when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that it's going to fit or your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Thank you so much to the everyday listeners of the podcast, hanging out, being here, supporting the show. Love you very, very much. You're the best. Um, Coming up uh, later this week as well, tomorrow, we're going to continue our draft talk, I believe, uh, and we're going to talk about one, uh, Jalen Hood Shafino, who I think is, uh, he's been mocked to the Raptors in a couple of spots. I'm pretty interested by him as one of these guard types in this range for the Raptors. So we'll talk about Jalen Hood Shafino tomorrow. Scafino, I'll get the pronunciation right by tomorrow i promise um let's uh first though talk about nick smith and the good stuff and the sort of areas that leave you wanting a little bit more in his game as far as the good stuff i mentioned the handle is really fun to watch he has got that thing on a string again he'd probably walk into the raptors with the best handle on the team that is important there is the outline of a really good floater as well. He gets to the spot that he wants to get to. He has some good touch on it. When it goes down, it looks like butter. Problem is, it didn't go down all that much in his 17 games in college. Just 31%. Again, weird team context. Injury, not at 100%. All of this plays into the numbers not being particularly good. But all the scouts that you kind of read into, whether it's Adam Spinello over in Boxing One on, on YouTube, whether it's Kevin O'Connor, Raphael Barlow, Everyone who looks at Nick Smith thinks that there is the outline of a pretty good floater there, something that could become like a really elite skill for him down the line, which is a nice thing to have, floater range. Like that's a, it's a pretty sweet spot to be able to capitalize from in the NBA, considering how much teams sell out to stop rim pressure, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, you also note, Kevin O'Connor notes that, again, he's a good cutter and could play well off of an offensive hub type, you know, running handoffs, things like that. You know, the comparisons he throws out are Jamal Murray and Tyler Hero, um, which, again, not a comparisons guy myself. You know, I, I don't, it's not like my favorite way to think about players, but those are the types of players that, 
get thrown out here as guys who, you know, yes, they're really good with the ball in their hands, and that's kind of where they're at their best, but they also have the juice to work off the ball as well, which would be a pretty nice fit alongside either Jakob Pertl or Scotty Barnes, assuming Pertl's back. Um, and yeah, Scotty Barnes, obviously, we know what he's going to do, I think, is like a handoff hub. I think that's going to be a real thing for him, especially as he gets that sort of keeper play down and, um, you know, kind of refines the ways in which he attacks from that triple threat position. I, I think there's, you know, actually something kind of to like there. And we've seen a little bit of proof of concept of it, too. Because Nick Smith played with Anthony Black and was kind of the key spacing option for that Arkansas team. And so, you know, I talked yesterday at length about how amazing it is to watch Anthony Black like pass on the move and throw gorgeous kickouts. A lot of the time, those are going to Nick Smith. And then there are also plenty of sequences where Nick Smith's cutting and Anthony Black's finding him cutting baseline, etc., etc. So there's a bit of an example here of him working well off of a more ball-dominant playmaking type uh, guard, guard in the case of Anthony Black. Obviously, the Raptors skew a little bigger with their playmaker types. Um, you know, overall, I think he's just like super smooth. He's like really aesthetically pleasing when he has the ball in his hand. He's sort of like long and wiry. It's almost like watching Bones Highland play when Bones Highland's at his best. It's also like watching Bones Highland when Bones Highland's at his worst because there's a lot of not great stuff to like, or to, not, not great stuff in Bones Highland's game that kind of detract from what he does as a player overall. You know, the thing that I like about Nick Smith, too, is he tries really hard on defense. Like, he tries his ass off. He needs to, though, because it kind of seems like his instincts and attention to detail leave a lot to be desired just from the film you watch. And that, like, that's tough. Like, how do you overcome an ability to kind of not read defense and do this, this, the sort of finer points? Can that be coached up? Is that more of an innate thing? It's hard to say. I'm not a scout. I don't know. But that's a, certainly a concern. But because he does try like that on defense, he doesn't totally fit your stereotypical like score-first guard who can't play defense type of profile because he will try out there. I do think, though, that the, the lack of sort of attention to detail with his closeouts, with the way he fights through screens, all this type of stuff, that leaves a lot to be desired in Nick Smith's game and could potentially leave him you know, staring down the barrel of his like lowest outcomes, because if the defense doesn't come around, if he becomes someone you can pinpoint and attack, it could get pretty dicey pretty quick for Nick Smith. Let's get into the areas for growth. I mentioned the defense. Like, again, you kind of look at the film, really bad biting at shot fakes, trouble getting through screens, hard time navigating off the ball as a defender. Um, you know, the nice thing about it is it feels like his defensive errors are at least like errors of commission. He's not like not trying to do things. He'll make a mistake because he tries too hard and closes out too aggressively, or he's shuffling his feet too quickly and gets off balance, but he's like very much committing those mistakes, which is good. Maybe you can smooth out the edges there as a coaching staff and sort of rein him in a little bit as far as his over-eagerness, and maybe with a little bit more craft, a little bit more thoughtfulness with the way he defends, maybe there's something there to combine with the effort to become a pretty decent defender. I don't think he's ever going to be like a shutdown defender, and a big part of that is he's, like, very scrawny for his height, and he's not going to be, like, a switch defender. He's not super physical, and you see it, like, on both ends of the floor, right? On offense, because of his slight build, and look, guys get bigger. That totally happens. Like, there's there's no, no saying that Nick Smith couldn't bulk up. Said this about Kobe Bufkin as well. This will be a concern for Kobe Bufkin, too, and I love Kobe Bufkin. Um, but when you combine the, the sort of scrawniness, there just seems like a lot of hurdles 
for Nick Smith to overcome to become a viable defender in the NBA. It's not just that he doesn't try, or not that just he tries, but doesn't have the instincts. He also just doesn't have like the body for it. And then when you get all of those issues kind of compiling, it's totally possible he overcomes them all, but it just makes it less likely that he will, and you have to start comparing him to the other guys in this range. And I just think there are other guys who figure to be better defenders uh, than Nick Smith Jr. and offer similar things on offense, I think. Um, another note is that like two-point scoring, not amazing right now. 16.8% of his total shots came at the rim this year. Not a very high volume you mentioned he kind of leans on that floater, and there's a reason for it. It's because he doesn't really like to meander into the thick of the trees and try to score over contact and stuff like that. He'd rather just kind of pull up eight feet away with that with that floater and avoid all of the mess that is getting in there with all the, the, the larger people who are stronger than him. Um, he also seems to be pretty like right hand dominant when you look at the film like he's always going to his right the floater's always with his right the left looks pretty undeveloped and that ambidexterity is going to have to come along otherwise that's something you can easily scout if you're an NBA coaching staff and say hey he can't go his left to go to his left take him off at the right and then you're kind of cutting off like the arm of Nick Smith which you don't want to have a basketball player with no arm on the floor he shot 39.7% on twos. I'll go back to that number. That is a concerning number, to say the least. And, you know, for someone who fancies himself as like a, a score-first guard, as a bucket getter, as a microwave guy, not being able to convert on those twos at a higher rate. Again, super small sample here. 17 games. He started 14 of them on a team that was kind of a mess. Like, that's that matters, but shooting 39.7% on twos also matters. So I, I don't really know. It's tough. You know, the, the three-point shot, you know, the numbers say 33.8%, not incredible. This is a thing like the, the scouts seem to think that the shooting is going to come along. Um, and you look at the stroke, it looks pretty quick. It looks pretty clean. Like, there's no, like, hitch or bustedness to it. And again, I'm an untrained non-shot doctor, but you can see from a three-point stroke whether it's pretty or not. That's kind of like an easy eye test thing. And I think it looks pretty good for Nick Smith Jr. And again, as Raphael Barlow uh, noted, shot 48% on catch-and-shoot shots, which is nice. Um, or an open catch and shoot, sorry. So there's there's something there. The other thing, too, that I don't love, and this is tough because I love this on some level in any player, but this dude's very clearly got the gunner's spirit, which is like, you know, that innate quality. It can be a very fun thing. Look, I love myself some Terrence Ross more than anybody in the world, but it also leads to some pretty wax shot selection. And... If he's a guy who has the ball in his hands and you're running the offense through him at the top of the arc and he's not much of a playmaker and he's not creating for others and he's just kind of creating questionable shots for himself, that doesn't feel like very good offense to me. And honestly, like the sort of through line I've been looking for with this pre-draft process, the kind of guys I am gravitating towards are the ones who are going to play team ball. Guys who are going to fit into a system, be able to do multiple things within that system, bring some diversity of skills and abilities and roles they could potentially occupy. It's why I like Kobe Bufkin so much. He can play on the ball. He can play off the ball. He can cut. He can shoot threes. He can kind of do all the things you might need a guard to do in various constructions of what your lineups might be. And I just don't know if Nick Smith has that sort of diversity of ways to impact the game right now on the same level. And... He just, you know, the, the lack of playmaking is troublesome to me. A one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio, that is always going to be a red flag for me. I want guys who, like, 
again, play team ball, can play within a system, can be part of something that is bigger than the sum of its parts. This was the entire problem with the Toronto Raptors last season is there was no cohesive direction. There was no uh, role definition, and it led to a lot of issues. And I, I just, I think with Nick Smith, if there was a little bit more in terms of like positive indicators on, you know, the sort of the stuff on the margins, the defense, etc., I might be more into it, but he just doesn't feel to me like the type of guy, the type of guy you drop into a team construct who's just going to be able to mold to whatever you need him to do. And I think I keep on gravitating towards the guys who profile to do that more. Kaysen Wallace can play both on and off the ball. Jordan Hawkins is just going to be a dude who comes in and is a good three-point shooter off the move for a team for the next 10 years, it seems. Like, guys who can fit into a more cohesive brand of basketball centered around whatever the Raptors are going to do with Scotty Barnes as their, you know, hub of the future. That's the sort of player I'm looking at. And Nick Smith doesn't quite check those boxes for me right now. We'll come back on the other side. We'll get into where he fits in on my personal board. Look at what the sort of upside and downside ranges are here and why this type of player I think is particularly risky for the Raptors to go after. Uh, plus, like, will he be there for the Raptors at 13? I think it's very likely that he will. We'll get into that in a hot second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs. And look, I am someone who hates the hot weather. It just doesn't work well with me. I'm very uncomfortable all the time. I sweat too much. I'm a big, hot, wet boy. It's gross, but hey, TMI, we're friends here, we're a family, you were just going to deal with it. Uh, bird dogs have been a wonderful salve for me, however, with the hot weather, because their shorts are incredibly comfortable, and incredibly breathable, incredibly light, and they've revolutionized underwear. Yes, their shorts come with a built-in comfort lining that eliminates the need to wear underwear on a hot day. That's beautiful, baby. That's the future. This is the future of shorts. Go get yourself some bird dogs. Super comfortable. You can wear them in all sorts of different places as well. You can take them to the golf course, take them on a date, go to the gym, whatever it might be. They're super versatile. They got all sorts of different types on their site as well. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedInNBA and enter the promo code LockedInNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedInNBA. NBA for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you go check them out. Birddogs.com slash locked in NBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to locked on NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's continue on. Close out the show here. Final thoughts on Nick Smith Jr., the 6'5 Arkansas combo guard. And yeah, it's just not doing it for me. When I go and watch the the clips in the film and read up on, on Nick Smith Jr., I wanted to like him more. I really did. But it, it's just, I don't think he's going to be close to the best option for the Raptors at 13, considering the wealth of talent at this specific position and skill set in this year's draft. I think, for me, if I'm going to like update my personal big board, let's just do that now. I usually say that for the end, but let's just do that now. We're running across the screen. I'll, if you're watching that video, you'll see it, but I'll just run through it now. We've talked about seven guys 
this is where I'm at. Number one, I still have Kobe Bufkin from Michigan. Number two, I'm at Jordan Hawkins. I, I keep on flip-flopping between Hawkins and Kaysen Wallace. And the reason I'm on Hawkins at number two now is I watched Christian Brown last night completely take over a finals game. And for me, I know it's like a very lazy comparison, but something about good, well-rounded role-player type on championship college team that knows how to win that clearly does the little things that has that sort of winner's spirit etc it's all very corny and hard to quantify but watching christian brown do that last night i was like yeah jordan hawkins feels like the type why not like he can go and be an impact player from day one himself as well so look am i very fickle with this is this board subject to change at all times absolutely it is it's the draft it's it's weird and ethereal and messed up but uh, Jordan Hawkins for now is into number two for me. Kaysen Wallace at number three. Surely will flip-flop at some point with Kobe Bufkin in the next little while. Or sorry, with Jordan Hawkins in the next little while. It's just the way this is going to go. Beyond that, I've moved around a little bit. I had Anthony Black at four yesterday. Thinking about it more, I think Anthony Black is bottom of my list so far at number seven. Purely because of fit. He just does not make sense for this Raptors roster as it's currently constructed. And I think it'd be a pretty bad move for the Raptors to go and select someone who, as good as he probably is going to end up being with that playmaking ability, just does not at all take any of the boxes the Raptors need. And in fact, just like adds more surplus to the stuff they already do well, seems like maybe not the way to go. So I've moved Anthony Black down to number seven for me. I've got Bilal Koulibaly at number four. I think the upside there is real. I I know there's like some who are like, oh no, they're going to do the Raptors thing again and take this project wing. Um, He might actually be a worthwhile project wing to do it with. So I have him at number four. Keontae George, who I've talked about, I think I'm not as high on as a lot of people. Um, I think he may be kind of more profile, similarly to Nick Smith as like a gunner six-man type. Uh, But I have him at number five, and I think Nick Smith has just like a little bit less juice for me than Keontae George. He's at number six, and then Anthony Black at seven. So that's my updated board as it stands right now. Will he be there? Nick Smith Jr. at 13. I think he will. I think almost certainly he's going to be there, honestly. Um, Just with the way we're hearing things with Bilal Koulibaly, the fact that it seems like a good chunk of the top 10 is going to be forward heavy between Jarese Walker and Cam Whitmore and on down the list, Taylor Hendricks. Like it feels like the guards are going to be squeezed a little bit here and the Raptors are going to have a ton of options when they get to number 13. I think Nick Smith Jr. will be one of them. He's being mocked right now to the Raptors by Raphael Barlow. Again, that mock draft is from lottery night. So it's a few weeks old now, obviously, you know, things change. We'll see. Um, also, you factor in, uh, oh God, I lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> please forgive me here. Um, yeah, he's been, he's, sorry, he's being mocked at number 17 by Kevin O'Connor over at the ringer as well. He's down in the 20s for Richard Stamen at Mavs draft. And so I think he's going to be there for at, for the Raptors at 13. I also just think there will be more players who do more of the things the Raptors need and have a little bit more of a sure thing as far as a floor goes than Nick Smith Jr. And so I would be pretty surprised if I'm looking at it on draft night and think, yes, that's the guy they should be going for at 13 right now. Um, you know, this is the tough thing. Is like when you have these score first guard types, which it seems like there's more and more of them coming as the league has transitioned into more of a jump shooting league. A whole generation of players has grown up watching Steph Curry. A whole generation of players will grow up not being as good as Steph Curry. Um, you know, when you have that, it's hard to sort of parse and figure out, all right, who are the Jamal Murrays from this group and who are the Jordan Pools who are very good but also have like pretty significant deficiencies that 
could lead them to not being able to be on the floor. And then there are other guys, like, for example, Bones Highland, who has all the scoring juice you want, but, like, does he do anything to play team basketball? That's also a concern. And so how do you figure out where this player profile is going to end up? Is he going to be uh, a Jamal Murray type who can be the second best player on what is about to be a championship team? Can he? Are you going to get a Tyler Hero who is a good player but has some pretty serious deficiencies and maybe you worry about paying a big sum of money to them? Or is it going to be a Bones Highland who just maybe is never going to figure it out and has all the scoring chops but not any other real sort of like basketball forward skills? I, you know, I think Nick Smith has, because he can do the, the off-ball stuff and because he tries on defense, I think he stands a pretty good chance of, like, avoiding that super low floor. But the downside is, like, a score for his guard who doesn't play make for others, who needs to be with the ball in his hands to be at his most effective, whose defense renders him unplayable in the most important games. Basically, the downside is my least favorite type of basketball player, the upside is someone who brings you like an immense amount of offensive pop in a complimentary role and whose effort and maybe like a renewed focus to the details on defense make it so we can hang when things get real. He's never going to be your best defender, but you can probably live with him being out there in a big situation. It's really tough. I don't know how to parse it. I think I just believe that like a Kobe Bufkin stands a better chance of not hitting that downside as sort of a scoring type guard than I think Nick Smith does, just because I think there's a more well-rounded game there with a little bit more kind of in all different pockets of the game, whether it's playmaking, whether it's off the ball, whether it's on the ball, defense, etc. Kobe Bufkin just feels like a more refined version of what, what Nick Smith could be. And that maybe that's not fair. Nick Smith played 17 games. Like, maybe he would have had a Kobe Bufkin-like rise had he played a full season and really kind of gotten his feet under him, but he never did. And we got to go on the information we have. And so at 13... Barring some crazy run of guards before the Raptors pick at 13, uh, I, I I just don't see it. And hey, if there's a crazy run of guards at th- and you know at 13, the Raptors are sitting there looking at a Taylor Hendricks or something like that. Maybe you just got to go for that crazy upside instead of going for the guard that you need. As much as I know that'll make people go crazy drafting another six nine forward. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at. I, I feel like I'm being harsh with Nick Smith Jr. I'm just kind of you know talking from the heart. This is just how I feel watching him play. Could totally be wrong. I, I'm wrong about the draft, as everybody is, all the freaking time. But that's just sort of, you know, again, amalgamating all the smart people's opinions, putting them in a little processor, sort of applying them to what the Raptors need, etc. Just doesn't feel like the right pick for me. But an interesting player nonetheless, and I would not be surprised if Nick Smith goes on to be very, very good. Again, he had a great pedigree coming in, was a projected top five pick as you know as recently as a year ago. So there's still some stuff there, but also the the stuff on the sort of dark underbelly of his game makes me a little bit concerned. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, if you have not yet, go back and check out all of our draft profiles. We've talked about everyone on my board. Bufkin, Wallace, excuse me, uh, Hawkins, etc. on down the list. Go check those out. Much appreciated as I'm running out of breath here for some reason. The smoke, it's crazy. Even inside. Uh, <laughs> we will, uh, yeah, leave it there for now. We'll be back again tomorrow. And we will talk about Jalen Hood Scavino out of Indiana as we continue this look at all these scoring guards who the Raptors might be in the mix for at number 13.
2019. And uh, in the meantime, please go support the show. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, etc. It's much appreciated when you go ahead and do that. Also on YouTube, please hit the big red subscribe button to support the video version of the show. If you want to see me on video every day, good for you. Uh, sorry, uh, but thank you for doing it. And uh, yeah, other than that, join the Discord, baby. The link is in the description. It's super fun. Great, lovely, friendly hangs talking about the Raptors, talking hoop. It's great. So uh, thanks for doing that. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. And thanks for hanging. We'll talk to you on Friday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.